In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So today is Ascension Day, and people have used all sorts of ways of describing the Ascension. This morning I saw a meme on Facebook that said Jesus finally got his wish, he got to work remotely from home. (laughs) That's one aspect. There's another one that sounds a little bit crazy too. Something that Harrods Department Store in London and Ascension Day both have in common. If you've ever been to Harrods Department Store in London, it has a, it's a whole city block uh, and you can buy almost anything imaginable that money can buy. Um, and, um, and the store started in the late 1800s and it started with a motto and the motto was Omnia Omnibus Ubique, which translates to all things for all people everywhere. The imagery of the world and where Jesus sits in it come into play today. And what we know about ascension is that much of what we hear about in our Bible stories about the ascension has a very Greek understanding of the world order, how the world is arranged. And what we, we, where heaven is above and the earth is below, and that people live around the earth. And what we notice in our biblical translations, this is always fun when you're taking biblical Greek, is that prepositions in Greek can take on new meaning. It can be either on or above or under or around or below. Um, And sometimes it can get really tricky with how you translate those things. And sometimes when we are looking at the ascension, I think it's important to take a very three-dimensional view of what this great mystery of the church is all about. So few theologians ever write about Ascension Day, maybe because it's, it always falls on a Thursday, it's not a Sunday feast, even though it's one of the major feasts of the church year. And the only place we read about it in Scripture is in Luke-Acts, in the, the end of Luke's Gospel and the beginning of the book of Acts, which is attributed to the same author as Luke's Gospel. So only Luke and Acts describes it at all. And we talk about it and we pray about the Ascension through our Eucharistic prayer. It almost always mentions the Ascension, but we see very little and hear very little otherwise. Now, maybe that's because we feel that maybe this day is somewhat bittersweet, slightly somber. We're in the midst of the Easter season, And so Jesus has died, he's risen from the dead, and now again, he's gone. And it's, what do you you make of that? Um, I think that it does play on our our emotions, and I think it plays on the church's emotions um, over the centuries in so many different ways. Maybe because it's also a bit confusing. I mean, um, 
we have all these accounts, even at the beginning of, of um, the way that the book of Acts talks about how Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he appeared on the earth, but now he's kind of been put away again and shut out again from the physical world, at least maybe, um, maybe as it seems. And maybe that's what we feel because we have our, our senses, what we see, what we hear, what we feel. And so all in all among us, what we can glean, though, from the Ascension and the way that we pray about the Ascension Day is that this is really a feast of Jesus Christ being with us and among us at all times and in all places. So this clear expression that we know of the winds of the Holy Spirit, all of that come later, a few weeks later, we celebrated at Pentecost. But today we are in the midst of um, celebrating the risen Christ at Easter, and now Jesus is suddenly taken up to heaven, and his disciples no longer see him physically again, which may prompt them and us to ask questions like, where is God now? Now, we know this week and last week with some of these shootings that we've had in America that plenty of people are asking, where is God now? We can glean from our readings today that the disciples very clearly wanted Jesus to stay with them, especially, you know, in, in the reading where it says, you know, is this the time that you're going to restore Israel to all its glory? This is like wow, we get to live with God now and for all time, and this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And Jesus is like, well, that's not for us to know yet. It's not going to quite happen that way. And so when we don't get exactly what our immediate need or our desire is, then we start asking, well, where's God really? What, what, what does God really want? What are God's purposes? Where is God now? It's hard to answer. And so this mystery of the ascension is kind of this both and experience. For the disciples, they literally saw Jesus in the morning, and by the afternoon, they never saw him physically again. We probably have it a bit easier. None of us have ever seen Jesus in bodily form, at least not that if I know you, not that I've talked to you about, but we've experienced in many ways in our life many blessings that come from Jesus, the power of his love, the ability to forgive others who have hurt us deeply. We, we, don't, we don't have to go through the process of seeing Jesus dying on the cross and being raised and being seen physically, and then once again, no longer being physically seen. We, we don't have that exact experience like the disciples did, but for us, we have something kind of greater to kind of put all of this into perspective. We have to live into the mystery of Jesus resurrected. We have to, we have to live into this way that Jesus is fully present now, but not seen any longer because now Jesus has ascended into heaven. And this is hard for us to think about logically, to wrap our heads around and what in some ways results is that we have this puzzle that we kind of try to think through. This is why I would argue that the church doesn't actually talk about the ascension very much at all. And I personally am a bit there with you, although in all fairness, I actually really love this feast day. 
And I think that the way that we're invited to respond to these holy texts that we hear today and this mystery of the church here and this mystery in the life and resurrection of Jesus, um, there are two stories in the Bible that can really help us think through how we're going to respond, how we're going to live out the rest of our days. And the first, the first story we didn't hear today, it's a story that we often hear during the Easter season, and that is the story of the pilgrims on their road, walking the road to Emmaus. These people walking along, suddenly a stranger comes with them, and the stranger is actually Jesus, but they don't know it, and they, they walk all day to a town called Emmaus, and it's getting dark, and the two people invite Jesus to stay with them. And so they are gathered then at the table, and as Jesus is blessing and breaking the bread, the story says that the eyes of the people were opened, and that Jesus then, the resurrected Jesus, then disappears from their sight. They don't see him again. So what do they do? They run back to Jerusalem in the middle of the night, is what the story tells us, because it's already nightfall. They go immediately back to Jerusalem to tell others because they are so filled with joy. They are filled with this excitement that now Jesus, whom they knew as a person who did ministry alongside of them um, in, in their area, it, with people that they knew, the real Jesus is now omnipresent, is everywhere. And that Jesus is everywhere and will be available to anyone at any time whenever a need arises. And that Jesus never really goes away from that point onwards. There's great joy from these disciples. So that may be one way that we could respond. But the second is from this story that we hear in Luke today, the way that Luke's gospel ends. And it has this beautiful ending that after Jesus, as that account says, is withdrawn and then taken up to heaven, that the disciples also return to Jerusalem. They go back into the city. They go back to their communities, but this time they spend time in the temple continually praising God, which means that they are so changed by this experience, even though they don't understand it, the accounts even from Luke's passage that we hear and also from the beginning of Acts, they're not exactly the same sequentially, so Luke writes it almost in two different ways to kind of pull together the different stories that are compiled about the ascension. But what they do is they're so changed in their lives that they've had such a transformational experience that they go back and they go back into the temple and continuously praise God. So we have joy and excitement and praising God and enthusiasm and community and building up a community of followers of Jesus to support one another, to nurture one another. And then by the time that the Holy Spirit arrives and is put upon them as tongues of fire, they then are sent out and are able to do things that these group of people from around the Sea of Galilee never in their wildest dreams ever thought that they in their lifetime would ever be able to accomplish. So the invitation for the Ascension is to allow us to imagine. Children do a good job of imagining things, but adults don't always do this particularly well. 
we are invited to really imagine and to be in a state of wonder and amazement. Because if we think about our own lives, where we've been in our past history, who we've known, the troubles that we've seen, the blessings that we had, in all kinds of ways, we can also live in a state of amazement for all that God has done for us in our lives and be amazed at what God continues to do for our world, even at times when we really hurt and we really feel stuck and we really feel almost a sense of despair. The Ascension invites us, especially on today's Feast of the Ascension and this year, it invites us to immerse ourselves into the sheer mystery and magnitude of a God who is everywhere at all times and in all places for all people everywhere. Omnius omnibus ubique. All things for all people everywhere. This is not fully explainable, but we're called to live into this mystery in a joyful way, to live in a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving, and to live our lives with wonder and amazement, to open our eyes and see the beauty of what God can do for us, for all of humankind, and what God is continuing to do for us on a daily basis again and again and again. And our Ephesians reading kind of closes it out really nice, talking all about the power of God and what the power of God can do for us. And Ascension reminds us that the power of God isn't finished healing the world, that the power of God hasn't given up on us at all, that the power of, of God begins with us again and again and renews us and calls us into a rejoicing, into a joyful process of constant renewal of our minds and our bodies and our spirits, where God makes everything new for us again and again and again. That's a reason like the disciples to worship in the temple, continually praising God. And it's a great reason to tell others and to give thanks today on this most holy Ascension Day.